You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Psalm chapter 63, the last of our prayer like, Pray Like Never Before series. And uh, we are, I don't know about you, but I am longing for this series to not just uh, go in our ears and be forgotten in a week and move on to the next series, but I am longing for this series to really collide with our souls in a way that is going to make a dent on us for the rest of the year and for the rest of our lives, that we would be a people who really get the heart of prayer. Because the reality is this, a life without prayer is a dead life. A church without prayer is a powerless church. If we don't pray, if we don't take advantage of awesome opportunities God's given us to pray, we just become like anybody else on the planet who doesn't know God and know the power of God. If we just don't take take this opportunity to pray, we become just like any other social club in St. Catharines, Niagara Falls, Welland, wherever we might be. We become just another group of people meeting together for who knows what reason. But when we pray, when we pray, there is where God is. There is where, when there's a people and a church on, a, on our knees, this is where the spiritual punch comes from. This is where we take ground for God's kingdom. This is where we experience and encounter the living God. We stop praying, God removes his presence from us and joins those who really want to seek his face. And so therefore, we can never stop praying. And so we've already covered some of the aspects of the acronym PRAY to to give us some substance and some fullness for our lives of prayer, longing that you would take these things and not just be like, hey, that's cool, pastor. I think that's a great idea. That's a cool little acrostic. I I don't care about the cool acrostic. What I long for is that you wake up in the morning when you go to pray, you think, I gotta pray. I gotta praise God. I gotta worship God and thank God. I need to now take some time and cleanse my heart before God and repent and ask for forgiveness and to confess. I ought to now, now that I have that stuff squared away, I need to ask God for the things that only he can do in my life for his kingdom, for his will, by, for his glory. And then the last one is the why. I know many of you are wondering, what's the why? What's the why? It is to yearn for God. We don't fully know how to pray. We don't fully understand praying the Bible way until we come to this place where we truly yearn for God. Where we truly yearn for God's power and God's presence and God's blessing upon our lives. I grew up with the old acronym ACTS. You ever had that acronym ACTS? This is just my take on ACTS, this whole pray thing. The adoration, the confession, the thanksgiving, and the supplication. That was all good, but as I grew up in my faith, I realized that that is all fine and dandy, but if we miss the, the, the coming to God for God, the coming to God, yearning after God, we can do the ACTS thing, but we miss out on God's whole heart for us in prayer, the communion and the fellowship and the sweet unity with God our Father. And so we can't miss that. If we miss yearning for God, we miss out on experiencing God and encountering God. And ultimately, prayer is meant to not just worship, not just repent or ask, but prayer is meant to commune with God and come into his presence to long for all of God and more of God in my life. That's really what prayer is. And that's praying the Bible way. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that show us examples of men and women who simply came to pray, not for anything else, just to long to be in the presence of God. Psalm 42, like the deer pants for water, so 
You guys don't know that one? <laughs> I'm all fired up. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs. Right? What is it? It's my soul longs after you. Isaiah 26, 9, at night my soul longs for you. My spirit within me seeks you diligently. Psalm 119, verse 81, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. And then Psalm 63, the passage we're gonna look at today. We're just gonna look at verse one today, but I'm gonna read the whole thing. Here's what it says in Psalm 63. Another psalm of yearning for God. Let me ask you this, in your prayer time, when was the last time you got before God and said, oh God, I simply just yearn for you and more of you and that's it? Until you learn to yearn from God, you don't really yearn, to pr- yearn for God, you really, don't yearn, you really don't know what prayer is, we really don't know what it means to pray. Here's Psalm 63, starting at verse one, it says simply this, see the subtitle here, my soul thirsts for you, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. His prayer in the wilderness of Judah was simply this, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and your glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with rich fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Look at verse eight, my soul, what does it do? It clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him and shall ex- by him shall exalt for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Really, this whole passage is about verse one. This whole passage is about verse one. It's David longing for more than anything else. He is simply longing for God. It wasn't birthed out of this place of of everything's fantastic, God's so good, I want more of him. This is birthed out of a place of wilderness. Look what it says here, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. When he was in the most dire of times, what did God ask for from God? He asked for one thing. What did he ask for from God? He asked for God. So we don't know exactly why David was in the wilderness of Judah in this passage. We know that he was running around for most of his life, running for his life for most of his life. Maybe he was running from Saul, his best friend's dad, who wanted him killed. Maybe he was running from his son Absalom, who wanted him killed. We're not sure why. David is in the wilderness to write this specifically thing, but all we know is that he is in the wilderness. Again, isolated. Again, running. Again, being hunted down. And he's in a place where he is physically absolutely exhausted, Probably if you're running in the wilderness, you know you're not sleeping a lot at, at, at night in the coolness of the night. You know you're, the sun is beating you down during the day. He's physically exhausted. He's famished and he's thirsty. He doesn't know where his next meal is coming from, but he's not asking for those things. What is he asking for? He's asking for God. 
We know on a spiritual level, David was probably running on empty again. Thoughts like, really God, again? Am I gonna run my whole life? I'm tired of running, God. When is this all gonna change? Spiritually, he's probably at the end of himself realizing that, man, what I need more than anything else for tomorrow is, is not anything physical, it's, it's God himself. So David was at the end of himself and he was needing something from someone bigger than himself for not the next day ahead, but the next minute ahead. And in the purest form of a prayer, he simply says this, oh, just give me God. I don't know about you, but I've never been in the desert running for my life without food or water for a long time, but as I walk through this life that God has put me in, I sometimes feel like I'm in a Judean desert, don't you? And it sometimes feels like I'm just running for my life. David's really no different than you and I are. And the world moves so fast and we try and keep pace with everything that's going on and we try and keep one step ahead of the enemy and we often come to this place where I just find myself exhausted and exasperated and empty. I'm sure you've found yourself there too. Maybe even today you find yourself right there exhausted and exasperated and empty in a place where you realize that you just don't have what it takes to live in this world for Christ. You just don't have what it takes to meet the demands of life and the expectations of others. I just don't have the physical and spiritual resources to get it done. Anyone ever been in that place? More often we like to admit, I just can't do it, God. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying to make it happen. I just don't know the answers to the questions I got. What you need in your prayer life more than asking God for something else, more than asking God to do something in you and through you, it's simply this. In your prayer life, what you need as we journey through life is simply this. You just need God. You need a deeper yearning for the things of the Lord as David had. And this is what it really means to pray the Bible way. This is really what it means to pray as God wants us to pray. It's to Really what it means to pray like never before is to yearn for God. And we start yearning for God as David did here in verse one. We learn what it truly means to pray and to truly know what it means to pray. I simply long for the closeness of God. We can pray a lot of things, but if we miss this, we miss the whole essence of what prayer is all about. I truly know what it means to pray when I long for the closeness of God. This is the simple prayer of David. Remember I told you prayers don't have to be long. Prayers don't have to be perfectly eloquent sentences. Prayers just have to be the cry of my heart for the Lord. Here's David's cry of his heart. Look at verse one. He's gonna break this down into three sections for us. The first one being this. Look at how he starts his prayer. Oh God, you are simply my God. What's he mean by that? What's he saying by that? He starts a prayer with a prayer. It's not a dear Jesus. Kind of those, we know we're supposed to start prayers. It's a deeper thing than that. It's more of a profound thing. It's more of a cry out of his soul. It's like, oh God, you are my God. 
It's really expressing his deepest long of his soul for closeness and intimacy with not a God, not the God, but what? But his God. Calling out to, the, to Yahweh, the Lord, the promise-keeping, faithful God. And we know from all of David's writings and David's prayers, he had utmost respect for God. He had God way up on the throne and he was way down here. But yet also within that, he also realized that there was this this unique, special relationship that God has with all of his children who turn to him and profess him through faith and repentance. There's this unique closeness that comes with God that we can call upon at any time, in any place, in any day. And there's the, the uniqueness as followers of Jesus Christ that we can utter the words, oh God, you are my God as a cry of, I need you to be close to me, God. What I need today more than anything else is simply the closeness of my Father. I need this every single day. Not a day goes by, a prayer doesn't come off my lips. Sometimes my prayer time is like, oh God, I just want you to be close today. Like an orphan who longs for their parents, God created us in such a way that your soul longs for God. Whether you acknowledge that today or not, there's something deep within you that longs for the same things to come off your lips. You long for a closeness with your heavenly Father, with God himself. This God who is my God. One commentator said it this way, you have a longing for my God, my God by creation and therefore my rightful owner and ruler, but also my God by covenant and by my own consent. Notice that David is not asking really for anything in this passage. If I was David, there'd be a lot of things on my list that I'd want from God in this moment. I'd want some protection, I'd want some shelter, I'd want some assurance. I want to know next steps. David says, if only I could just know your closeness. I don't need anything else. This holy yearning and longing for God as our heavenly Father that longs to be close to us. That's where everything that we need comes from. Do you yearn for God? Do you realize the reality of what this means, this this idea that the God of the universe can be close with us, that we can have intimate, sweet fellowship with him? Do you really long for God, or do you really long for what God can do for you or God can do through you in your prayer life? God wants us to long for him more than anything else. So we're driving to Montreal this Christmas for Christmas with Ruth's family. Kids were in the back seat watching a video and all was quiet and I was just sort of in that contemplative mode. I just looked over at my wife and I'm like, hey Ruth, how often do you think of your dad? It's been like 15 years now. How often do you think of your dad? I miss your dad. You miss your dad. We don't talk about it much anymore, you know, once in a while. She got really quiet. See the tears kind of welling up within her. She's like, oh man. I just wish I could have one more day just talking to my dad. Wish I could have one more hug. It's been a long time, but you know what? 
think about him every day. I was like, you do? You don't talk about him every day. She's like, no, but every day. Every day. I just wish one more day I could be close with my dad. Got all teary-eyed myself, and I was like, you know what? I miss your dad, too. I remember that day, plain as day. I've told you guys before, the day that we watched him take his last breath. Usher into heaven. I knew we'd miss him, but I had no idea how much. I thought about that. I was like, you know what? I really long to have one more, we call him Pa, one more day with Pa, too. One more boat ride, one more conversation, one more word of wisdom. But you know what the deeper longing of our soul is even more so than those that we love that have gone on to be with Jesus? The deeper longing of our soul that God created us with is a longing for him. More than having a physical dad present, yeah, that's nice and that's special and it's important. More than having a physical dad present, the true longing of your soul is to not be like the college kid who comes home to have a free meal and get some more money and be on his way, but the true longing of your heart is to come and be with your father and have one more moment celebrating the sweet fellowship and communion with God. And if we miss the the opportunity that God has given us through Jesus Christ just to come to him for nothing else than fellowship, guess what? We miss it all on what it is to have a relationship with God our Father. So we go through the praise, we go through the repent, we go through the ask, and we forget about the yearning for God. I think we leave God behind with a bit of a yearning in his own heart for just a fellowship with us. It says in 1 John 1, 3 that the reality is that which we have seen and heard and declare to you is all so that we might have fellowship with us, with us, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We're created for more than anything else, fellowship with God. That's even you think back to the beginnings, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God didn't create them to look after the garden. He could have looked after that all by himself. What did God create them for? To bring him glory and to enjoy fellowship with his children. Sin is what messed it all up. But Jesus came to make it all right again. Sin messed it up. Jesus came to redeem it that we might... Greatest opportunity we have as believers, not just to be saved from our sins, that's important, that's awesome. Not just to have heaven coming instead of hell, that is an excellent reality too. But the greatest thing Jesus came to do is reconcile us to fellowship with our Father. We know this. This is not rocket science for you. David gets this, oh God, you are my God. That's, that's a longing of his soul. His prayer is simply this in the morning, God, I just want to be close to you. God, I just want to know your presence and know your touch again. I want to hear your voice. I just want to have fellowship. We get this, but so often I think our prayers degenerate to this. We come to God for what we can get instead of for who he is. We come to God for the perks that he can give us or the promises of what he has in store for us or the past from hell to heaven, but the greatest blessing in prayer, just have to know this, the greatest blessing of prayer is this, for his person. It's not the perks, it's not the promises, it's not the past, it's his person. That's the beauty of prayer. 
That's the awesome reality of prayer. So we come to God in the morning. As we worship and praise him, as we confess our sins, as we ask him for things, I encourage you to stop at some point in your prayer time and just utter the same words as David, oh God, you are my God, I just want to be close to you. Prayers for intimate fellowship, prayers to tell God everything on your heart. God wants to know, not just so that he can give you, he wants to know because he's dad, he's God. God, here's my day. Here's how it went, just like when I come home from work and I'm like, hey, how was your day? I want to hear how the day went. I don't want to tell my kids something. I don't want to tell my wife something or correct things all the time. I just want to hear how the day went so we can have conversation and I get to know my kids and my wife. It's a powerful element of your prayer life that you can't miss. Just a desire to be close to God and just have an open dialogue with God, just an open God, here's my heart, here's my heart. Truly know what it means to pray when I just long for the closeness of God. It's the purest form of prayer to yearn to be with God, just yearn to be with your God. When is the last time you woke up in the morning and the first thought of your heart was, was, was like what my wife has in the morning when she thinks of her dad, just, I just want to be with God today. Guarantee this will transform your prayer life which will also in turn change your whole life for the glory of God. Second thing we see in this passage is this. Second thing we see in this passage is this. I truly know what it means to pray when I passionately seek the presence of God above all else. Sort of the same thing, a little bit different. Is when I passionately pursue the or seek the presence of God above all else. David's prayer is simply this. God, I want to be close to you. God, I want to seek you above everything else. Look at the next lines here. It says, earnestly I seek you. Earnestly I seek you. Again, David is in this place as we sometimes get to in our lives. There's a whole lot of things we could seek from God for sure. There's a whole lot of needs we have. There's a whole lot of things we need God to do in our lives and through our lives. And yet the ultimate prayer Purest from our prayers, this God, I just want to seek you above everything else. This word earnestly in the ESV is actually translated in other versions early. This is actually in the King James Version, the title is this it's a, a psalm early in the morning. It's an eagerness, a, a first thing in the morning. The first thought in our head is, I want to seek after God. I want what God wants for me and through me. I want God's presence in my life today. I want God's favor and God's blessing and God's grace more than anything else today. I just want God. First thing before all else, what do you want? I want God. Psalm 27 verse 8 says this. God says this to us. You have said, David says to God, you, you have said, I seek my face. So God tells us to seek his face. My heart, David says to you, is your face will I seek. To seek the face of God. Face is commonly translated presence in Hebrew. Literally, we are to seek the face, but this means the presence of God. It's the the Hebrew way of saying I have access to God. As Daniel Henderson points out in his book, so adequately for us, when we're doing the small groups, it's this. Prayer is truly the purest form of this. It's seeking the face of God before I seek the hand of God. Seeking the face of God before I seek the hand of God. 
Again, I tell my kids all this time, all, this all the time as I come home from work and they usually come to me for what I can do for them and what I need to do. I need to sign the agenda. I need you to give me some pizza money. I need to do this and do that. I'm like, guys, 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 before all that, I just want you to stop and enjoy my company. As one commentator says, God's desire for us is to seek him, to desire his favor as our chief good and consult his glory as our highest end. We must seek acquaintance with him and seek mercy from him by his word and prayer. We must do this with earnestness and early in the morning. First thing, one priority before anything else in my mind, before anything else in my heart, before my head has a chance to sprint into the day, we need to be seeking the presence of God. Heard recently of a lady who first thing she does in the morning as she wakes up, she opens her eyes and says this, good morning, Jesus. Sounds a little different for us, but, yet, but she gets what it means to earnestly, early seek God. We miss Jesus in our day. We miss the presence of God in our day, and we find ourselves in a whole lot of different scenarios and a whole lot of different places. But we have the presence of God. We have the face of God, and our whole day changes So David's here, he's saying, God, what I want first in the day, what I want most in the day is simply you. He's just reiterating what Paul says in Philippians 3. He says in Philippians 3, I want to know Jesus. I consider all things lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing God. Exodus 33 points out that Moses basically says the same thing. Earnestly I seek you in a different way. The deepest longing of Moses' life, the most important appointment he had in the morning, his greatest priority was to meet with God. Remember Moses would go to the tent of meeting in Exodus and and he'd stand face to face with God. It's such a significant time that all the Israelites, all of them would come to the entrance of their tents and just look, wishing that they could have this intimate face to face meeting with God. And Moses said, God, what I need most is your presence. If your presence doesn't go with me, like I'm not going. I could go. But I'm not going. What else is going to distinguish me from all the peoples on the face of the earth but your presence? And so I seek you first. I seek you earnestly. I seek you early. And I seek you only. These are the prayers God wants us to pray. God, what I want first and foremost in the morning during my day is you. I want to see your face. I want your presence to go with me wherever I go. If we're going to pray for anything, you know what we ought to pray for? God himself. Just God himself. If we have God himself, we have everything, don't we? If we have God himself, what could we possibly need throughout the day that doesn't come from God, that doesn't come with God? We have God. We have everything that God has. Look at some of the things this passage points out to us that, that, that God brings with him. David kind of unpacks this verse as we go. This is why God, David prays for the presence of God above all things. It says here in verse two, because, because his beauty is the most glorious. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and your glory. Why do I seek God first and foremost? Because his beauty is the most glorious. Your true enjoyment in this life The true enjoyment of your soul comes as you enjoy Jesus Christ. That's where your ultimate delight comes from, enjoying the presence of God. Men who were there this weekend at at the Free Indeed Conference, put your hands up. 
Did we not encounter the presence of the living God this weekend? And would you exchange that for anything else this world has to offer? They let us leave the sessions. You're dismissed. Nobody left. You know why? Because there is nothing like the presence of God. There is tears of joy and satisfaction and fullness because God was there. It's not because the worship team was good or the pastor was great. It's because the spirit of the living God was there. I don't care what Super Bowl event you gave me tickets to or, or where, what monster truck show. That There is nothing that compares to the presence of the living God. I don't care what vacation you send me on. There is nothing in this world that can come close to the presence of the living God. That's why David says early and often, early and earnestly, this is where I'm going. I want God and God alone. This is the true delight of our soul. He goes on to say this though. Why does he seek God first and foremost? Because your steadfast love is what? It's better than life. Better than life itself is simply knowing that I have a God who loves me perfectly and all my flaws and all my failures and all my idiosyncrasies and quirks, I have a God who loves me. That is greater than life. Let's be honest, we all want to feel special. Even guys, you want to be special in some sort of way. Right? Get that gift or that card or that phone call just to say someone appreciates you and loves you and just makes you feel so special. Just gives you a feeling of fullness inside that, that hug from a loved one or that... that text from someone you haven't seen in a long time, just sort of like, wow, that makes me feel good. Those are good things, and God's given those to us as his grace, but ultimately, you know what really fills our souls to an eternal fullness with, with a, not just a superficial, wow, it's nice to be loved, but a, I am loved deeply and intimately and perfectly by God. That's what fills our souls perfectly and fully. Every single day we have this opportunity to come before God in his presence, and with his presence comes this assurance and this reminder of the love of God which surpasses anything this life can offer you. Come to God early and often, seeking not what he can do for me, not what he's gonna do in me, but his presence because his beauty is the most glorious, his love is greater than life. I come to him because he's the only one that can truly satisfy my soul. Look at verse five. This is a good word for some of us here because we're trying to satisfy our souls with all the wrong things and you know it this morning. But yet the scripture tells us that my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. How is my soul satisfied? How is David's soul satisfied? Simply by sitting in the presence of God. And my mouth will praise you with your joyful lips. Like your belly is satisfied with your favorite dinner, so your soul is satisfied in a greater way, but only with God. What is it that you crave the most to fill your belly. Think about what that is. For me, it's, it's like a prime rib dinner with mashed potatoes. It's early service, so I can say all this stuff and I'll get you distracted. I have to change it for a second. A prime rib dinner with mashed potatoes and gravy and just a few veggies and, uh, and Yorkshire pudding. Man, you give me that and my belly is satisfied and full and I go to bed thinking, yes, I feel good. But inevitably, the next morning, I wake up hungry with a craving for something else. 
Here's the thing with Jesus Christ that satisfies our souls. He satisfies us in a much greater way, in a much deeper way. Again, just by being in his presence in a much greater way, in a much deeper way. And he satisfies us in a way that we wake up in the morning, we don't hunger and thirst still. We have completely satisfied forever the fullness of soul in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one that can satisfy your soul. Do you understand that today? If you run into your prayer time and you run by the presence of God for what God can do in you or God can do for you and you miss the presence of God, your soul is not gonna be satisfied. Your prayer life is gonna be struggling. You're gonna be thinking there's, there's more to this Christian life than I get. I don't, I don't get it, I, go to, I don't get it, I don't get it. Why is everyone else experiencing so much more? Because we need the presence of God more than anything else. One moment truly with God satisfies your soul more than your favorite dish, greater than your wildest excursion. It's more superior to even your graduation day or your first house or your promotion, even greater than your wedding day and your kids' births and whatever else. Nothing satisfies like God. Nothing. Psalm 16 verses 9 to 11 says that in his presence, in his presence is eternal joy. So you know what, therefore, our prayer lives ought to be revolving around is seeking the presence of God above all else. All these things that we think are gonna bring us joy, guess what, they're not. They're just not. Well, God, if you gave me this, you can fill in your own blank. If you gave me this, I'm coming to you because I need this because ultimately if I have whatever the fill in the blank is in your heart, if I have this, then my joy and my life is gonna be full. That is just a lie of Satan. If you have, there's one fill in the blank there. If you have Jesus... That's what satisfies your soul. And everything else, you've seen those little ant traps? They're gonna be out soon, those little ant traps, so you fill it with all the goodness that ants like, and they go running into a little house, and they never come out, right? That's what all those things that the world tells us are gonna satisfy, that's, that's all it is. It's like a big ant trap, and, and Satan knows exactly what you're gonna long for, and he puts the exact bait in the ant trap that is gonna suck you in, and his goal is to get you in the house that you never come out. See, when we go to God in prayer and we're like, God, I need blank to have a full life, that's a lie of Satan. Only to lure you in, in the guise of coming to God in prayer, to lure you in that you might get in his house that he would kill you and steal your life and destroy you. Your ultimate satisfaction is not in the clothes that you wear. It's not in the car that you drive. Your ultimate satisfaction is not in the house that you want. It's not in your toys. It's not in better vacations. It's not in friends and being connected to people with, with all these applications that we have now. It's not in promotions. It's truly not in degrees. It's not in savings accounts. It's not in your husband or your wife or your child or when my child gets out of diapers, then life's gonna be better. Then I'll give you another one. It's not in long weekends, it's not in respect or acceptance, it's in none of these things. You know where the fullness of satisfaction is found? It's in Jesus Christ. It's in the presence of your God. And some of us have missed this our whole lives when it comes to prayer, we've missed it. We've missed simply sitting in the presence of God. And then we cruise through life going like, why do I feel so empty? Why can I find no satisfaction? Why is it only satisfaction for a second and then there's something else? Why is it like this, this rat race of trying to find, trying to find, but never finding? Why is that? Because we fail to sit in the presence of God. 
That's why David says here, it's so real to him, the presence of God. I remember you upon my bed. He didn't even have a bed. He's running for his life, but when I lay down, I meditate on you in the watches of the night. So in other words, when he's awake at night, going like, where's the enemy coming from? You know what he's meditating on? I just want the presence of God, because of the presence of God, I have it all. So what I long for more than anything else in any of my prayers is a long, day long, day and night consciousness, awareness of the presence of God. This is what God wants to give us more than anything else. This is where our true joy and satisfaction comes from more than anything else. And what God wants us to ask him for and to do as we come into prayer is simply bask in his presence and to yearn for him. Couldn't think of how to say this adequately to try and stir us up with a yearning for God. So listen to this song that is gonna be on here in, in one second. This is a song that really summarizes what God's wa- God wants our hearts to be as we pray to him on a daily basis. Listen to this song and ask that God would really make this real in your heart. And when we get when we get that that's what prayer is designed to do, just give us God's presence and everything we long for is in God's God's presence, then our hearts just yearn for God, have a passion for God. Then you find life in what is truly a fullness of life. I am being Aussie this morning. I don't have this every day. I have to ask God for a yearning for him above all else. When I have it, I know that that's what I want more than anything else. I have to seek God's face for even the yearning to do this. But when we have a yearning for God, we have everything we've ever wanted in life. Last thing it says here in this passage is this. I pray that this would be the heart of our hearts as we pray that we just have a yearning and a passion for God and God alone, not anything else, just God. That our prayer lives would be around like, God, give me God. Earnestly, David says, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. The third point of this, this first verse is that we have to get a hold of if we're gonna really get our prayer life in order. It's simply this. We need to earnestly acknowledge my desperate need of God. Not just desire a closeness with God, not just desire to seek him above else, but earnestly acknowledge my desperate need of God. This is what David is saying. He's saying, man, I am thirsty right now. I am hungry right now, but what I need more than, than the nourishment of my bodies. I need Jesus Christ to nourish my soul. I need God to nourish my soul. My greatest need on a daily basis is not finding a brook to drink from. It's not finding a stash of food. It's finding God. I might be in a dry and scorched land, but what I need most is God himself. I am desperately in need of one thing on a daily basis. That is God. Been thirsty before, but I've never been thirsty like David. I've cut the lawn on a hot day, come in and just needed a drink of water. I've never run for days and weeks in a wilderness, in a hot wilderness, never had a drink of water. And David realizes he can have a drink of water, and that's not even going to do what his life needs. His life needs God more than anything else. 
David knew that God was not an add-on to our life or an extra app for your heart. Without God, we don't have life. Without God in your heart, we don't beat physically or spiritually. And water is important to David. It's important to our lives too. Think about this. 60% of our body is made of water. This thirst thing is a good thing. It's a longing for what our body needs. Stats tell us we can only go probably a week without water. We can go a few weeks without food, but we can only go a week without water. In ideal conditions, typically it's about 100 hours we can go without water from three or four days, and we don't have water in three or four days, we just will physically die. More than water, though, we don't need water, we need God. More than a few days without the presence of God, and our souls will spiritually die. This is why Psalm 62 verse one says this, David's saying, for God alone, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. I need God more than anything else on a daily basis. What I need most from God is God. I am, you you are desperately in need of God every single day of your lives. You miss the presence of God and you're gonna be spiritually what your body is without water. You just need God. I was reminded again in the last five months how incapable we are spiritually without God. John 15 verse five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do. That's how desperately we need God every day. Apart from God today in my prayers, I could do nothing. So my prayers revolve around God. What I need today more than anything else is you, your presence. So as you know, we now have a little one in our house again, which is a a real blessing to us. But one of the things that, that drives me crazy about our little ones, he can't do anything by himself. I just got to the point where it's like, get dressed, we're going. Now it's like, ah. <laughs> gotta get him dressed, gotta get the grocery, the uh, diaper bag, gotta, 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 gotta. Like and I said, Ruth, is this guy ever gonna grow up so he can do something by himself again? <laughs> we are, like my son Nick is, in a spiritual level every single day. That's how desperate we are for God. We get up in the morning, we say our prayers, we don't acknowledge our need for God, our desperate need for God. We're gonna live life today, but we're not, we're incapacitated spiritually. That's why we yearn for God more than anything else, because without God, we have nothing. We are nothing without God. I can't even sit up and hold my head up without God spiritually. I definitely can't get dressed in my spirit without God. I can't, I can't walk another step without God in this, in this life spiritually. I'm completely 100% dependent upon God in every way, in everything, every single day. And our prayers ought to reflect that. And if you don't realize that, this whole yearning thing will be like, I need to yearn for God. Might sound good for you, it's not good for me, but when we realize that, man, my heart yearns for God. When I realize all my satisfaction only comes from God, when I realize spiritually there's nothing I can do without God, I yearn for God. Doesn't it have to even be a long prayer? My daily prayer as I get up and get going is simply this. After my, everything's done, my quiet time, my workout, everything's done, it's simply like, God, I need you today. I don't even know what's coming like the next second. I need you today. I have nothing today, especially on Sundays. Oh, God, this morning, do I need you today like I've never needed you before? Heart restless, head pounding, I need God today. Because if I don't have God, nothing spiritual is gonna happen in my life today. I don't have God, I'm not gonna be able to fight the spiritual battle. 
I'm gonna give in to temptation and sin every single time. I'm not gonna be able to walk the Christian life. I'm not gonna be able to be the dad I'm supposed to be. We try so hard, try so hard. Stop trying hard and stop being, start being desperate for God. I'm not gonna be the, the husband or the father. I'm not gonna be the son or the daughter. I, 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 I can't witness to my friends. I, I can't keep my mind straight on the things of God. I can't, I can't do it. I seem to be all over the map. I can't do it. Well, how do you do it? You're desperate for God. You're desperate for God. This is how God wants our prayers to be revolving around him. He wants us to be desperate for him more than anything else. God is not a means to our end. He is the end. God is not a means to our end. He is the end. We get God, and guess what? We have it all. We miss God. I don't care how much Bible you're reading. I don't care how many prayers you're praying. If you miss God, you miss it all. So a powerful component of prayer that we can't miss is David's little one-sentence prayer here. So much in that one sentence, isn't it? Yes, we praise. Yes, we repent. Yes, we ask. But more than anything else, we yearn. We just yearn as the deer pants for water so my soul longs after God. This ought to define our church, this yearning for God. This is it. We miss a yearning for God. We cease to be church any longer. You lose your yearning for God, you cease to be a follower of Jesus Christ, truly. A yearning for God is what we need, so... I want to encourage you that we have lots of prayer opportunities every single week that we are encouraging you to come and to yearn for God. Right now there's people yearning for God back there for God on your behalf, on my behalf. Tuesday mornings there's a couple guys that meet to yearn for God, to to praise, to repent, to ask, and to yearn for God. Join them, men, women, it doesn't matter who you are, join them. Seven o'clock Tuesday mornings at our offices, the door will be open, we have a a plan that they're gonna follow, so they're not gonna talk, they're gonna get into seeking God's face. Small groups, small groups, you ought to be changing the whole dynamic of your time in small groups. So what do we do? want to do more than anything else, more than asking for Fred and Sam and Bob and, and whoever, whoever, whoever. We want to be praying and yearning for God. As we pray with our welcome crew, uh, join us and pray and come on our welcome crew and pray with us that we all be yearning for God. Prayer needs to define our church. Prayer and praise evenings uh, once a month. Last Wednesday of the month, Some of you started strong four years ago and haven't seen you in a long time, I'm just being honest. Our desire is not that that group would stay at 100 people. Our desire is if we have 600 people in church, we'd have 600 people at prayer and praise because we so yearn for God and long for God and desperately need God. Prayer is what a believer is. Prayer is what a church is. As I started this sermon with, I pray that this collision with the sermon series on prayer would make a dent in our lives that would be forever marked with a desire and an urgency and a passion to pray. For it's only when we pray do we realize the fullness of God in us and in our church. So let me pray as the worship team comes. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for the fact that we have a God who loves us, a God who is passionate about his people enough to send Jesus Christ to this earth to live and to die for our sins. God, that reality alone ought to make us yearn for you. Who but God would do that? Where can I find this love and this
reality of what my heart really longs for. I only find it in you. God, as we finish this series, I simply pray one prayer. God, make us alive to the full reality of Jesus. Make us alive to the full reality of prayer. Make us alive to the full reality of God's presence with us. Make us alive with the life of Jesus Christ. You're all we want, God. And you are all we need. Please make this real in my heart and every heart here for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.